go ahead and open up in prayer. Let's do that. And then uh, just call me up after they win. You've got my phone number. If you don't, it's 575-0742. Okay, call me up. Are y'all ready to pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you that as we pray, we're believing you for a word, a now word, a word that will minister life to us, a word that will challenge us to become all that you want us to be, a now word that will bless us, and Father God, that will help us to be a blessing as we prayed earlier, a word that will actually touch our hearts and change us, that will get us moving forward and not standing still, that will challenge us to open up our eyes to see exactly what you see and that one person one person can make a difference in changing their surroundings one person can make a difference in changing their community one person one person can make a difference in changing even their family and father we thank you on today that you'll minister to us and give us revelation and insight to preach your word, use my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, writing upon the hearts of your people. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, everybody agree with that? Say amen. Amen. All right. If you have your notes with you this morning, then you go ahead and follow along if you need one. And then our ushers, of course, will assist you with that. The power of one. The power of one. We're still teaching on reaching out. We're teaching on getting out. We're, we're talking about connecting and touching lives everywhere we go. I believe that wherever you go, there's always an opportunity to say something good. There's always an opportunity for your, your, life, to, to, your life to pass, or should I say, your past across the lives of other people. And in doing that, God will give you an opportunity to say something good all the time. Can you say all the time? So looking at our notes, we have the power of one, part three. And, and our focus this morning is compassion. Everybody say compassion. I believe that compassion makes a difference. Compassion makes a difference. And so our text or our, the scripture references that we'll be following along uh, this morning, we're going to look at Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. We're also going to look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel 22, 30. We'll look at Jude chapter 1, 22, and then through 24 this morning. Number one, let's look at our notes together. It says this, don't despise small things. Don't despise, despise small things. And here's why I say this. Do you know that there are people because they may be small or in stature? There may be people because they feel like they not have accomplished certain things in their life that they're not as important. But I want to encourage you this morning that everybody is important. You are important to God. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And for you not to despise small beginnings or small things. And as we see here, as we look together, let's turn in our Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, or you can look at your notes, however you'd like to follow along. And in looking at this, the prophet himself, whose name means this, it means the Lord remembers Zechariah. The Lord remembers. He remembers his covenant with his people, and he said that he'll do this, that he will fulfill his part. The Lord will fulfill his part if his people will only perform their part. And so we see, as always, and in everything, there's the God side and the man side. In other words, God's part and there's our part. And so here we have here in Ezekiel, excuse me, Zechariah. We're good to Ezekiel. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, and it says this. For who hath despised the day of small things? 
for they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. With those seven, and here's what I want you to see. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. And in this, as we think about small beginnings, the day of small things, I believe, is especially God's day. And the reason why I say it's God's day, because that's when that his strength comes in our lives and it makes us strong. You see, a lot of times we see they look at the underdog or they see someone that's so small. They think, oh, you can never accomplish this. You can never accomplish that. But when you start seeing small things and God moving in the midst, that means God is stepping up and his strength becomes your strength. His strength becomes your strength. And I think about this, your strength is made perfect in weakness. Because how many would admit that, man, there's been some challenges and some things that you try to do on your own. You're like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But your strength, your strength helps my strength. It helps me to be made perfect even in my weakness, in my weakness. Or things that I may not think that I can accomplish. Things that I may not think I can accomplish. Like, for instance, think about this. Joseph, from, Joseph who went from, from the prison, and David, who was a shepherd boy. And how God used the small things. And then Daniel from slavery. But not only that, I think about this, how the, how the Lord chose seven disciples, fishermen, who actually turned the world upside down. You think about that. And then a tent maker, Paul, how the Lord used a tent maker, but then, of course, he himself being a carpenter. You see, we cannot despise small things. What are you doing? What is, I mean, you look at, maybe you say, okay, I, I do this. This is the kind of a job I have. Well, I don't know why would the Lord want to use me. I want to encourage you that the Lord will use you right where you are. Don't despise it. Because I believe every opportunity that comes your way is for a purpose. What we have to do is step out in faith and allow the God, listen, allow the Lord to fill your mouth. Say, fill my mouth. Now, I know sometimes it could be a little nerve-wracking and nervous because we don't know what someone's going to say. But listen, if we'll listen to the Holy Spirit, if we allow the Spirit of God to, to, to speak to us, that I believe he'll give us exactly what you need every moment, every time that he wants to use you to touch a person's life. And, and, and for me, I guess part of, part of what the Lord has blessed me with, and, and, and I don't know how this happened, but uh, I just like to talk. I don't know how it happened, but I just love to talk. And sometimes my wife looks at me and she says, you're just talking to be talking. And I'm like, that's true. I just, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, I don't say, but I just love to talk. How about you? Do you like to talk? Some of you are like, oh, not me. But you like to listen. Am I right about that? So the Lord can use you in different ways. You say, well, I'm not really a big talker. Or how about a good listener? See, because there's people that are talking then around you all the time. And they're saying, I'm hurting. They're saying, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know what's going on in my marriage. I don't know what's going on in my finances. I don't know. Come on, we can go on and on and on. And then if, we, if we're not a good talker, we can be a good listener, then what they're saying, we can say, we got the answer. And his name is Jesus. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't ever say to yourself, I'm not significant. Why would God want to use me? Again, what I said, he used a shepherd boy. I mean, he used, listen, think about it. Daniel, you know, who was in, in slavery. So you can say that he used a man that was a slave. He will use anyone that will, will become available and say, Lord, here I am, use me. We cannot despise small beginnings or small things. I've always heard people say that, man, you better watch out. But the small people or tiny people, short people, man, they pack, they pack a punch, you know what I mean? Or they're really feisty. And so anybody who's 
My height and shorter, I'm talking about short because, you know, I'm not very tall. But what I'm talking about is you ever get around people who are short and they, uh, for some reason, uh, especially the guys, not, not all the tall people, I'm not talking about you, so don't make fun of us short people. But what happens is some of our short people, the guys, they, they feel like, every, like they've got to prove themselves. Have you ever been around some, some men like that? How about some women, right? They've got to prove themselves and, and like, you know, they've got to say, you know, I want to be noticed. I wanna, but we don't have to do that in God's economy, see? And, of course, we call it like the short man syndrome. In other words, that simply means is this, that our ego gets in the way. And if someone who's tall, we're like, hey, man, hey, I want you to take notice of who I am. And then all of a sudden it's about us and it's not about God. Are you listening to me? And so we have to use wisdom when we're dealing with people. It's not about look at me, see what I'm doing. I'm important. It's all about God. Use me so we can see what you're doing so we can touch the lives of people everywhere we go. Say everywhere. So God chose to use these individuals. And I love it. It's a perfect timing. In your notes, here's your first blank. Nothing ever accomplished by God's power is small. Nothing. What have you done? What has the Lord used you to do? He has used you to do a lot. And he's touched your lives in so many ways. So your first blank is nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing ever accomplished by God's power is small. And number two. Let me say this to you. God is looking for you. I like that. In other words, say this with me. Say, God's looking for me. Say it one more time. God is looking for you. And when I think about it, as we look at Ezekiel's life, we brought this up last week, but I want to continue to share this with you. Looking at the prophet Ezekiel, what was happening during this time, the most difficult time in Israel's history, that the Lord chose to raise up Ezekiel, a leader that had a backbone and conviction. And when you have a backbone and a conviction, the Lord will use you to do a great work, a tremendous work, even starting in your own household. Come on. And then, then you go outside the home, in your community, on the job, everywhere you go, the Lord will use you, raise you up to be a leader with a backbone and a conviction. In other words, what do you believe in? And whatever you believe in, don't let anybody tell you that it's not true. Whatever you believe in, don't let anybody sway your beliefs or your convictions. Whatever you believe in, you trust God and you stay with it. No matter what happens all around you, you go with God. You always go with God. And so what was happening here, we see that the temple, the temple was like in ruin and the walls were down and they were, they were pushed over and it needed to be rebuilt and the Lord was looking for just one person that would have this conviction. You know, the Lord was looking for one person, one man that would stand up and said, here I am, use me. I'll make a difference. I'll make a difference. And when I think about that, and I drive around Gainesville, and I see in a lot of different neighborhoods, you're in, you're, a lot of times what we say is, man, who's taking care of the neighborhoods? We would say, man, how could they just let this run down? Or even the city, different parts of the city look better than other parts of the city. So what we normally would say is, wow, how could this happen or how could that happen? And I want to encourage you and challenge you to, for us to stop saying how could this happen, how could that happen, but then let's get involved and say, Lord, use me on how I can make a change in this city, what I can do, and stop bringing up excuses or just talking about what's going wrong. Lord, let's talk about what's, what we can do right. 
Let's talk about how we can start somewhere because then we see so much. We see so many needs. You know, we do. There's so many needs out there. We're almost like, where do I begin? How do I start helping? And I want to encourage you in the small things, in the small things, just, just finding out, getting, getting, I mean, just even getting on, on the computer, finding out what's happening in the neighborhood, see who's doing things that you can join yourself with and just doing your part. Just one but God will use one to do mighty things. I said, God will use you to do mighty things. Can you say amen to that? Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. That's also in your notes. It says simply this, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. Before me, it says, for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I found none. You know what? That challenges me. Every time I read that, I said, Lord, what can I do? How can I help? You know, there's programs that out there. I, I, I mean, I believe in volunteering. And on my whole life, I volunteered. Boys and Girls Club of America, Big Brothers, you know, Big Sisters programs, and on and on and on. Because I believe that every one of us, we have something to give, something that we can offer to help somebody who's going through no matter what they're going through in life. And I believe that if we'll just make ourselves available, that God will use the gift and talents in you to change another person's life, especially young people. They need help. They need help in direction. And so we see here that it says, the Lord said, but I found none. And what he's saying is I found, I found no reformer. There was no one that was going to come and help to reform. There was no, no one that was going to repair. Think about this, a repair of the breach. In other words, the walls were falling down. The city was in ruin, but there was no one that was willing to stand up and to be counted. And, of course, maybe be, maybe be spoken you know, or talked about or, or lied on. Who knows? But I tell you this, that the Lord said there was none. And I think about the ones who did. We have a history that shows us the ones who stood up because there was no intercessors. But what about Abraham, who he stood? He stood for Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses for Israel or anything like that or anyone like that. How about Aaron, who stood between the living and the dead when the plague was coming down upon the children of Israel? One person can make a difference. I believe that that one person is you. I believe that that one person is me. That we can make a difference. Right with what we have. There's, there's nothing that you say, there's no one should ever begin to, to say to you or you should not say to yourselves, I have, all I have is this. I have nothing. How can I do this? How can I accomplish that? Because in God's eyes, you have a lot. In God's eyes, he has blessed you. In God's eyes, he has anointed you. In God's eyes, he has equipped you. He has gifted you. And some of you, maybe perhaps, I, I'm not, I don't even know, it's be untold until you tell us the things that you can do. Some of you are so, I mean, awesome, maybe in making things and crafts and cooking, and you just have so many different talents. You know, I don't know, but, but we, can, we can find out. And I love to find out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just do a survey. How about that? And pass it out because I may need your help. Amen? Would you be involved to go ahead and, sure you would. Write it down and say, okay, use me for that. I'm available. Everybody say, I'm available. Oh, man, that was, uh, that was a little weak. I have to say that. Say it again. Say, I'm available. I like that. Let's continue in our notes. All right? A, God has a plan. 
God's plan is to have men and women that are willing. That's your blank. His plan is to have men and women that are willing to stand in the gap. Everybody say gap. What does it mean to stand in the gap? Here's what happens while we're standing. I will tell you this. While you're standing in the gap, you're making up the hedge. There's a breach. In other words, there's, there's no one that's standing that will help to bring the community together. There's no one that's standing that is praying. There's no one that is standing that's helping to equip. And that we can stand in that gap because there's a gap, there's a hole, and it's not being filled. And then in your notes, it simply says this, God pours out blessings. How many want God to pour out blessings upon you? Certainly. God pours out blessings. Let's continue to follow. But God wants his blessings to spill, notice this, to spill out over you, and then your umbrella of blessings can cover others. See, so God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He's pouring his blessings out upon you every day. He's pouring his blessings out upon me every day. But then it doesn't stop there. Then imagine your umbrella. Imagine your influence. Wherever you go, in school, on the job, your influence, this umbrella, the Lord says, I'm going to bless you so you can bless those all around you. So you can bless those all around you. B, one benefit of God is a gap standard. And this is what I believe, that God needs not vast sums of people. Because a lot of times we think, in order for that to change, wow, that's going to take a whole lot of people. Come on, have you heard that before? I know I have. Man, that's going to take a whole lot of people for, for that to turn around. But that is not true. What it's going to take is just one person. It's not the sum. It's not the vast sum of people. One person, one person, everybody say one person, one person who's willing to stand in the gap. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Let's continue in our notes. C. Every generation needs a gap standard. And as we look at that, I want to encourage you, let's look at a couple of scriptures. Psalms 105, verse 8, and then Psalms 119, 90, when we're talking about a generation. Because God cares about our generation. God cares about you, and he cares about everybody in our generation. So we find ourselves looking together in Psalms. Let's turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 105, verse 8. Every generation needs a gap standard. It might as well be you. I said it might as well be you, or it might as well be me. I mean, we can step up and say, okay, Lord, I'm available. I'm ready to make that happen. Verse 8. Are you there? It says this in Psalms, Psalms 105, verse 8. He says, he, re- he remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Think about that. That God remembers his covenant forever for a thousand generations. In other words, what God has spoken in the past still stands for today. When God says, I want to bless you, he said, I'll bless them. He's blessed in the past. He's blessing us today. And it's for a thousand generations. God will use you. He will use me. He cares about our city. He cares about your family. He cares about you. A thousand generations. And then let's turn. Let's go to Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 90, also speaks about God's loving, caring, reaching out, his concern for our generation. Everybody say generation. Now, I know this. 
Come on, and, and, and some of you who are older, older, I didn't say old, older, that as we get older, what happens is that we look around and we go, where, have any of you said this, where is this generation going? Come on. Have we not said that? I'm sure many of us have. Where is this generation going? And here's the thing. And some people would say, man, they're saying this generation is going to hell. I want to encourage you. They don't have to. I said they don't have to. If we would be willing to stand up and help, you know, you may, we may not be someone's, you, know, you may not be that person's dad. You may not be that person's mama. But I remember back in the day, I'll tell you what, you know, if we did something wrong that we weren't supposed to do and there was moms and there was dads around us and even in schools, wow. I mean, they would thump you on the back of your head and make sure that you straighten up. And if you didn't, when you got home, mama already knew. I'm saying, what happened to those days? Those are the days that I'm like, wow. Nowadays, man, you say something to somebody, they're ready to take you to court. They're ready to sue you. But you see, what happens then, see, that, that's all against, see, that's the enemy's plan that's trying to devise, that's trying to divide, that's trying to hinder, that's trying to destroy this generation. And I'm encouraging you this morning that let us be, be a gap standard and say, that's not going to happen. God, give me wisdom so I can, how I can reach out to that young person. Give me wisdom how I can reach out to that young lady who has never had a positive role model in her life. Give me the wisdom so I can reach out to that young man that all he knows is how to sell drugs and all he knows is just being disrespectful and, and gangbanging and going to jail. Give me wisdom so I can stand in the gap and make up the hedge. One person. All it takes is one person. And I believe that that one person is you. I believe that that one person is me. Everybody say one. That's all it takes. So as we see here, as we turn to Psalms 119, and we're going to look at verse 90, Psalms 119, verse 90, talks again about generation. And in here it talks about this very fact. Let me just read, beginning in verse 89. And it says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. His faithfulness, his faithfulness endures to all generations. So in other words, God was faithful in a generation past. He was faithful in that generation past and the generation past that generation. And he's faithful right now in this generation. God is faithful. God cares about this generation. He cares. And someone would say, yeah, but, but, but they won't listen to me. What if they don't, they don't listen to me? Yeah, God will use me. What if they just walk right past me? There's always another person. There's always somebody else. All I'm simply saying is this. Let's not be concerned about how things are going to happen, how things are going to change. Here's what we need to do is just become available and say, Lord, use me. Fill my mouth. Oh, work on my heart, Lord. Give me a heart for the loss. Give me a heart for the hurting. Give me a heart because I know, Lord, I was there. I was there going through this and going through that and hurts and pains and people laughing at me, people talking about me. Come on. I mean, that's happening today. And we know if you've been through any of that, and you've been picked on perhaps your whole life, then you know what I'm talking about. If you've been talked about your whole life, then you know what I'm talking about. So therefore, you can connect. You understand. I'm just encouraging you. Then reach out of ourselves. Reach out of yourself and touch someone who has a need, perhaps like you had one today. Just one person. All it takes is one person 
Because God is forever faithful. His faithfulness endures to all generations. Everybody say all. And then thinking about that, it says that we will build a hedge. But then what is a hedge then? What is a hedge? In your notes it says it's actually a fence or a boundary. A fence or a boundary or barriers. Barriers of limit. A means of protection of defense or defense. So what happens is this, by you and I standing in the gap and we, and we make up the hedge, we are going to be protecting those who, who cannot protect themselves. We're going to be helping those who cannot help themselves. We're praying for those who don't know how to pray. We're praying, we're helping to feed those who have no food, who have no money. You have, and I thank God for what you've done in the past, you have been a blessing reaching out to the Salvation Army, reaching out and, and, and helping and, and giving food, which we may not be able to see that person. We may have, have sat down right in front of them. But I will tell you that you, you paid a, a, I mean, an awesome, awesome price in giving, just giving to be a blessing. And that's what it's all about. See, we, we, may not, we may not be there. We may not see those who are coming in who have needs, those who don't have any place to, to lay their head. We may not be able to see that, but because we can give, we can help and connect. And as we reach out in our community, lives will be changed. That's what it's all about. One person making a difference. And I believe that one person is you. And so the question then lies in this. Will you stand? Will you be that hedge? Will you be that hedge? Will you stand in the gap when the whole world is collapsing all around us? Come on, we see it on the news. Will I be that person? Lord, we would say, Lord, how? How can I be that person? I don't even know what to do. In fact, I don't even know where to begin. And I believe the Lord would say, simply just trust me. You know, trust me and just begin to pray. Trust me and just begin to pray. Trust me, just begin to pray. And I believe God will use you. God will use us. And then, here's the thing I love about a family of God, that it's so much fun. Isn't it fun to see that when the Lord has used you to, t- to touch a life, to change a life, and to see that person, like, blossom, and to just, like, a flower just open up? I mean, that is, that is fun to me. That is, that is exciting. One person, one person that will stand in the gap. So, the question again is, will you stand in the gap when the whole world is collapsing? D, you might be, and here's what I want you, this, you we have to, this is so important. Because I think what society does is that they'll see a need and they go, ah, somebody else will take care of that need. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, nah, somebody will take care of that. It'll be okay. Somebody will, somebody will come along and how would the Lord want to use me? Somebody else. Somebody else will help him out. But here's what I want you to see. That you and I might be the only hope that individual has. Think about it. You and I might be the only hope that that individual has. I've had the opportunity time and time again to visit, to go in prisons, men's and women's, and to see young men, young women, and older alike, 
that simply have, in their minds, have made wrong decisions and wrong choices. There's those that are still blaming society. There are those that are saying, you know, that wasn't me. I just got caught. And, 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 you know, setting all that aside is one thing. But here's what I learned. That walking in those places and seeing their faces, seeing the pain, whether they made the choice or someone else made the choice for them, I mean, it just, my heart just breaks. And therefore, family of God, we have to do something. And this is why our desire is to be able to go into the prisons and, and to go and, and have that, that door open, that door of favor open to us so we can reach out, we can pray for these young men and young women. And I will tell you that the facilities that I've been in and out, in and out of and visiting, I mean, they weren't, they weren't the best in the world at all. But I will tell you that those that were incarcerated behind those bars, even though they were behind those bars, they gave their hearts to the Lord. Those bars held them in physically, but Jesus set them free spiritually. One person. One person. There are the strung out. There are those, my, I, I tell you, my brother, and I, I'm speaking of this, well, now I've lived it. This one, year older than, this one year older than I am, in and out of jail. Halfway houses. Praying for him. Constantly. He would call, and, and I would know, I, would, I, would, I know when he called, he needed help, or he needed a fix. He needed something. Like, I need to turn this off. And he would say, hey, this is your brother. Well, I knew who he was. He didn't have to tell me who he was. He says, hey, man, can you help me this time? I just need this. I just need that. And I had to get to the point where to learn how to help and not to, listen, listen, what I'm going to say, for some people, they, they, don't, they may not understand this, but not to be an enabler. We have to learn to get to a place where we have to help people to help them up and not to keep them down. And so simply, many times I had to say no. And my heart is heavy. I'm almost broken, but I prayed for him. And prayed for him. I said no, but I know he went somewhere else. I said no, but I know he went somewhere else. Time and time again. I would call. I wouldn't know. Actually, years. Wouldn't know where he was at. Wouldn't know what he was doing. I remember sitting in a small group meeting. And here I am, one of the leaders in the church. And they said, as, as we pray, do you have a need? Do you, does anybody here have a need? I'm thinking like, well, you know, no, I'm here to help everybody else. My hand went up. And I said, you know what I need? My brother needs prayer. As a family, we don't know where he's at. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know if he's even alive. And I tell you, we prayed. And it was shortly after that, a few months after that, he called. He just called and said, hey, I'm just letting you know I'm okay. And I'm like, man, where you been? In jail. In jail. Now, I didn't kick him to the curb. I didn't do any of that. Just loved on him. His name is Lorenzo. Prayed for him. Lorenzo has been out. He's been straight. 
for so many years. He's going to church now. And you know what? He calls me every week and says, hey, what's going on? When are you going to send me some of those CDs, man? I love it. One person. I'm talking about family, so I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about, you know, this idea, this theory. Oh, no, lived it. I can tell you more and more about my family and how dysfunctional our family has been. But today, he loves the Lord. Today, man, I tell you, get on the phone. Of course, I just love it the way he just calls. And every time he starts out, hey, this is Lorenzo, your brother. I'm like, Lorenzo, I know you're my brother. (laughs) And it's so awesome. But it's so neat because now he's calling me, checking up on me. How are you doing? And he's giving me a report. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm living for God. I'm going to church. My point is this, that you might be the only hope the only hope for that individual. Was I the only hope for my brother? No, but I refuse to give up. I refuse to give up on him. So one last verse I want us to turn to as we're playing Jude one twenty-two. It's in your notes. I want you to listen to this. We talked about having compassion. I believe that the only way we can truly reach out and touch our world is if we have compassion. Everybody say compassion. Because if we don't care about people, then we're not going to care enough to help. We're not going to care enough to reach out. We're not going to care enough to pray for. This is what it says. And of some having compassion, making a difference. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Compassion. God will use you. We just have to become available. One. Just one person. I said one. The power of one. Compassion makes a difference. If you don't mind, will you stand on your feet? I want to pray for you as we close. God wants to do great things in this city, family of God. But God also, he wants to use you to do the great things in the city. I'm going to pray for you. 